0: Now what? We continue our series today in our three-part, which was going to be one part, but now three-part series on depression and anxiety. I want to encourage you today, if you've not listened to the other two, and this is your first time here, I would just encourage you, if you would, to go back and listen to the other two, because today, if you don't hear the other two you may think this is too over simplistic and if you heard the other two you know we know it's not so i just encourage you to do that so don't walk out of here today thinking well he made that just too simple and i will add this i don't think there's anything i'm going to share with you today that is simple okay so i hope today is a you. i want to come to you today though As what I shared with you last week, that I'm probably not the best counselor if you're talking about from a trained, educated standpoint. But what I do believe is that I am, over a lifetime, honed my skills in coaching, whether it was in sports, but partly uh, in life, but especially in the spiritual aspect. We are a church. Realizing that the other things that we've shared over these last few weeks, I realize are real. But I love what Tom Landry says in his statement about being a coach. We got that. give you some handles today. Many years ago, I was sitting at a traffic light at Elliot and Alma School in Chandler, Arizona. And the Lord gave me these three things. And you could say, well, how do you know the Lord gave them to you? You do what you, what you wish. But I think they're very applicable with what we've been doing over these last few weeks. And one of them is this. When we're dealing with strongholds specifically, I ask the Lord, well, what, what about when there's a stronghold in our life? What are, how do we move forward? And he gave me these three things. He said, one, there is divine capability. Take captive every cause in the obedience of Christ. The power to demolish strongholds, the word says. Secondly, is accountability. Am I getting the right help? Am I hanging out with the right people? Am I seeking out medical help if I need to? Am I, am I hanging out with the right people who hold me accountable? And the third one is responsibility. Divine capability, accountability, and responsibility. And what I hope to share with you today is this thought. And you've heard me say it many times. I may not be able to choose how I'm going to die, but I sure as heck can choose how I'm going to live. I hope this helps you today. We're we'll Go back to the 10 questions. There were seven last week, now there's 10. We come back next week, it could be 20. I felt like as I work through this today, this will be of some help to you, I hope. I'm going to spend more time on some than others, but hopefully we'll get through this, and again, there will be some help to you. The first one is this. When I get in time to depression or get any times of feeling really low or at any times of that thought there's some triggers there's some questions i begin to ask myself to try to help myself walk out of it one of them is am i engaging spiritual disciplines i talked to you a few weeks ago about the sacred pathway for me it's nature it's music that's one of my ways but in the word in prayer those are significant, but one I want to address with us today, and Allie brought up last week, I think is significant, it's confession. I know there's folks that go from church to church that are looking for a place where they can walk in and not have to deal with the core issue of their life. They don't have to deal with their issue of acquired habits, or hangups or hurts, or even the carnal nature that Scripture says that we deal with, the old man. And modern culture doesn't help us at all because modern culture would prefer to pay, make people as victims. Because see, when you're a victim, you're not responsible. You're not responsible for the casualties of what has happened to you. We all realize there are victims. We've addressed that over the last few weeks. No question there are real victims. And no question those real victims need God's healing. But unfortunately, victimization... Gained so much influence in our culture that it's driven out some of the practical things that we used to talk about in church, talk about in scripture. It's just driven it out of our conversation, even in the church. We're broken. You're right, we are. There's a lot of things that have happened. Frank Rochelle says this. You're only as strong as you are, honest. So what happens in the culture and even in our own lives, even as Christians, we begin to blame and hide. Hide and blame. We see it in the garden. The first thing that happened right out of the shoot was what? Hide. Blame. It's been going on ever since. But when you hide and blame, then there's no reason, Right? to talk about sin. There's no reason to talk about confession. There's no reason to talk about even a Savior. You always say, God's going to need a Savior. Really? Because the Scripture doesn't say Jesus came for victims, even though we are that. He came for sinners. And when we take it completely out of our conversation, when I take my responsibility of where I am today out of the conversation. Guess what also leave out? The route to freedom. Hmm. Repentance? What were the first, you heard me say before? What were the first sermons that were preached by Jesus and by the disciples? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Freedom, freedom, route to freedom, freedom. But when we take that completely out, we've removed the answer for so many of us in this room and so many of the people you know. I love what Evangelist D. L. Moody said, I was asked one time. He said, Who? DL. Who gives you the most trouble? He answered immediately. I've had more trouble with D.L. Moody than any man alive. You know, one of the hardest things to come to realization is this. It's the hardest thing, been the hardest thing for me to swallow. I mean, I've, I've been married almost 34 years. Next Saturday. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> 27 years of ministry a father of four and deep close relationships and the hardest thing for me to ever swallow was to come to the conclusion and the real conclusion that the biggest issues in all my close relationships was me. It wasn't anybody else. It was me. Are you currently blaming and hiding, hiding and blaming? yes we know there's real victims i know you were not born into the best situation i get it but there's not victory there we recognize people have been victims but god comes to raise you up as victorious and it's through his power that happens couple of others quickly that I shared with you last week. I want to address them again just to make sure that you hear it. again in case you were not here last week. Uh, when some of these times I'm going through this, and it can even be on a daily basis, I ask myself, am I well hydrated? Especially living in Arizona. Am I well hydrated? You say, that's too simplistic. Dr. Dan talked about it last week. It is, or we talked about it. Body, soul, and spirit. We're trying to address all three. Are you well hydrated? Three. What and when am I eating? What and when am I eating? I've told you before, that, that bowl of Butterfinger Dryers uh, ice cream at 9.30 at night, no, much, no matter how much I deserve it, and I do, Because I've been out saving the world all day, right? Yeah, okay. I've been out there, man. I've been fighting hard. But that does not suspend insulin spike or the metabolism that I've got to try to work through. My body now has to try to process that at night when I'm asleep when it shouldn't have to. What am I eating? When am I eating it? You say, well, this is too simplistic. Okay. Am I breathing? Number four, 26,000 breaths a day. Have you ever said, man, I just can't catch my breath. I'm going so fast. I'm so busy. You know, prayer is a great way to breathe. Shared with you last week, I think prayer slows us down. You don't do it just for the body part of it, but it's part of it. You do it for communion with God. But it's amazing what else it can do. How much sun am I getting? Light is medicine not only to you physically, but also to you spiritually. Spiritually light shining on things not only you physically sun specifically it's amazing but there needs to be light shining on us spiritually but are you getting enough sunlight are you stepping outside especially the day and age we live in today where it's easy to walk into I mean, when I worked at Alumax uh, years ago or even at Texas Instruments I remember walking in before the sun came up and walking out after the sun was down And never, I could see it through a window way down there. (laughs) But it has an effect on us. How am I sleeping? Again, I heard a doctor the other day say that 75% of the reason people don't fall asleep or stay asleep is either anxiety or depression. Depression. 75% 75% of the reason I don't know that for sure this is a statistic and I can throw statistics at you all day long but it's but it's anxiety and depression some of you need to take a digital detox now, I read this and you can do with it what you wish There's countless studies have shown that excess social media is linked to depression and anxiety Plus, spending too much time in front of the screen can disrupt your sleep schedule and make you more prone to moodiness. That explains some of you. It leads to exhaustion. Those who have ever dealt with anxiety and depression... It's kind of funny, isn't it? You would think you try to, if you've got depression, especially, at least I'm just talking from personal experience, I tried to sleep more. And the reason I slept more was so I didn't have to deal with, it was my way. I didn't go out and, you know, I didn't take a drug, even though I drank a lot. I didn't even really use that as my deal. I just tried to sleep as much as possible. As I shared with you, I used to put aluminum foil on my windows just so I could make it so dark at four in the afternoon, just so I could sleep. And I was exhausted. Exhausted. I believe exhaustion in the world we live in today, especially, is one of the biggest challenges to transformation. It's one of the biggest challenges. You know, we were designed with Shabbat. Shabbat. On the seventh day, Shabbat. On the seventh day, it means to cease. It means to step away. And what's interesting about that is that somehow or another we in the world, especially boomers, don't don't we look at don't we boomers look at millennials and go, man, you don't have the right work ethic. And they look at us and go, we see what it's done to you. We don't want any part of that. (laughs) But it's somewhere in between. It's somewhere in between. Scripture says, God calls the one who refuses to work lazy. God calls the one who will not rest disobedient. You choose. Dr. Dan talked about it last week. Talking about the adrenaline. But the rattlesnake between your legs, you could dunk a basketball. If you found that. that's how that adrenaline rush flies up, causes you to, as he said, of lifting a Volkswagen off a child kind of feel to it. And you have that, but adrenaline goes up quickly, then drops down below the reserve line. It takes a long time for adrenaline to build back up. He talked about what happens on Sunday when we preach. I think it also has to do with the personality of the preacher and the style. Some of you wonder, how come he preaches for like five or six weeks in a row, then he doesn't preach for like three or four weeks? He doesn't do anything else the other five days of the week anyway, so why does he, how does he even think about that? What is going on here? I'm trying to figure out the rhythm because I want to live long. God has blessed us here with a team, first off, let me tell you that. That needs to be able to step into their gifts and graces. And God is allowing us to do that. And I, it doesn't bother me at all for them to shine. I hope they shine brighter than I have ever shined in that sense. And I'm okay with that. But the other thing is I need to have rhythm. And so Jesus, when he was on earth, didn't heal everybody. He only had three and a half years of ministry. Why didn't he preach every day? He only had a certain amount of time, right? But he didn't. He withdrew. And he didn't even have a cell phone. (laughs) (laughs) Signs of exhaustion, you become very self-preserving. Signs of exhaustion, you become undisciplined. Signs of exhaustion. You become very vulnerable to sin, and you know it. You see it coming, but you don't have the strength to to stand up. You don't have the spiritual strength or the physical strength to hold it off. People become a burden instead of a blessing. Anybody there? People become a burden instead of a blessing. And this is one of my favorites. You lose grit. You know, perseverance is a trait of the spirit, but you quit. You quit easy. How many things have you started that you know, if I just stay with this six months from now, I'll be different. But you don't. And so you look around and go, well, they have, you know, they have it made. I don't know, you know, that's the reason why they don't quit. Everybody, I'm going to stand up for this. Everybody has a reason to quit. You don't know what I deal with. I don't know what you deal with. Everybody has a reason to quit. Everybody can find enough excuses. Everybody has a reason to quit. tired of hearing it i get it i know i've wanted to quit every most every monday (laughs) i'm not laughing neither's jan she has to listen to it one of the traits of great influencers i believe and you know it if you take uncommon is they finish well they don't keep starting stuff and stopping. Everybody has an excuse. What's most important to you? What's most valuable to you? What's taking you where God wants to take you? That's what you need to be asking. And quit making excuses. Everybody has a reason to stop. Okay. thank thank you I like that accountability I love being where people hold me accountable seven am I moving I realize sometimes we we have difficult things physically that don't allow us to move if you have extreme things but I still think there's something almost everybody can do to be moving exercise get yourself moving move movement is medicine the enemy will convince you well you did that yesterday and you don't look any different (laughs) it's cumulative you need to move I thought sitting in this chair would keep me from preaching hard like that but I'm just telling you it's not doing me any good I read a deal recently Jan told me I couldn't do it in front of you but I can I could Read a deal about three months ago, two months ago. It said that men forty and up, Harvard did research on these men, or, or a thousand men, and if they could do forty push-ups in a minute, they would decrease their 40, cardiovascular disease uh, uh, potential by ninety-six percent. You hear me? Let me say it again. It's in JAMA or the Journal of American Medicine Association, whatever that is. But Harvard now, research, if you can do 40 push-ups in a minute, you would decrease your cardiovascular risk by up to 96%. A minute. Not 30 minutes. <laughs> Not one day so I can now Jan said don't do it so I'm not but I can I already have today here's my point it's not because I want you to look and say oh man he could no I got the information it seems like it's good information and I can do something about it I may not be able to choose how I'm going to die but I sure can't choose how I'm going to live Number eight, who or what is influencing me? Who or what is influencing me? Do they control my life? Is somebody controlling my life and it's causing deep depression? They've got control. I'm afraid to disappoint. I'm afraid to. Are they critical? Are they more, the people who have influence, are they more emotionally driven than fact-driven? they like to blow things out of proportion just to keep you where you need to be. But let's go down this road. Are you hanging out with people who are depressed most of the time? Have their own issues in that? And again, we think people should get help. But they can take you with them. It can influence a whole home. And if you're dealing with that, friend, let me tell you, get help because everybody in your home needs you to get help. About social media, what's influencing you? TV shows, do they line up with where you want to go and what Christ would be doing in your life? News channel. Oh, sorry. Music. I, I know a lot of people listen to all kinds of different music, but I don't need to listen to one about me going and getting drunk and leaving my wife and finding somebody else. And I, I need the words spoken into me. In certain times you can listen. To, I'm not saying don't listen to whatever you, you you do what you want to do. But I'm telling you, for some of you, if you're going to listen to music right now in your life, it needs to be seeing something being poured over you. That's taking you somewhere. You need to get rid of some of the others. Because it's just taking you further down that road. It's more depressing. Why would you want to wallow in that? As they used to say, now Kurt, you've gone to meddling. Now, (laughs) you went from preaching to meddling. I'm just saying, friend. What's influencing you? I have to look at my own life. Who am I surrounding myself with? What am I listening to? What am I watching? What am I reading? Number nine. Am I recycling? Am I recycling? I worked at Alumax for six years. First time I ever went to work there, they took me into a place called the Hot Mill, and in the Hot Mill there was these, these massive vats of recycled cans. I mean, I'm talking massive. I think there's 2,000 degrees to melt them all down. It looked like hell. I, I told Jan, I said, if, he, if I had a picture of hell, it looked like that place. It had these massive mats. It was dirty and nasty. It, I think they intentionally kept the lights down just so it would feel like hell. And I told Jen, I said, I, I won't be able to work there. The guy who interviewed me, uh, Tom said to her he said, I don't know if it's cut out for you because I just left the car business and went out there. And in for an interview, I had a tie and a white shirt on and all this kind of stuff. And he's going, no, I don't think this, you're cut out for this. But they hired me. First day I went to work there, came home and told Jen, I said, I'll last two weeks. <laughs> God allowed me to stay there for six years and I became... In many ways, the pastor of that whole Hotmail area. And God bless me, and I miss it. I miss it. I miss rubbing shoulders every day with people that are far away from God. And they know it. But one of the things I realized about recycling, it doesn't take long to recycle those things, and they come back like new again. Some of you are recycling your past. It's become the narrative. It's become the story of your life, and you replay it over and over. And you kind of crush it down and you make it something, then you recycle it again. And you bring it back up as something else. And you recycle it in your relationships. You recycle it, you recycle it, or you recycle it, and you recycle it. It's become like you, it's your identity. It goes back to our first one about victims. It, 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 it feels safer there. I've told you this before. When I came to know Christ, one of my biggest fears was I didn't know who Christ was going to make me into because that was the only courage entry I knew up to that point. My question is, since that thing happened to you, since that crisis happened, since that incident happened, since it, what have you learned what has God done in your life? How you're allowing it to begin to write your story. What I love is uh, the saying you've heard me say over and over, out of our greatest wound and trial can come our greatest genius. Out of the worst thing that's ever happened to do to us can be the very thing that God is going to use in our lives. Some of you have been asked, looking for a purpose in your life, and my, my goodness, God's going to use the most ugly thing that ever happened to you, or you did, to use that as your purpose mission and you've been running from it but you need to filter it like my past that 10 years i call the lost decade from 16 to 26 when i filter it through the holy spirit it has power when i allow it to come around the holy spirit and not connect to the purpose god has for me it can be dark and it can be devastating some of you are stuck You're just stuck in recycling. It's almost if it's happened again. We never want to waste the hurt or the mistake. But I think the proof of recovery is when you begin to help others with it. You know, I could pull my pant leg up here. I got scars. I got scars on both knees. I got scars. I got, I got a new hip. I got a scar right here. I won't show you that one for sure. I got a scar. I got a scar the size of a, looks like a fish hook on top of my head. There's a story attached to each one of them. But one of the greatest things about that story is I got over it. I'm tougher. One of the things I talk about over and over, and Allie, uh, she said she was going get to get, get a tattoo one time. And I said, if you're going to get it, I think that's probably be the one. But it's talking about, the, I went through something in 2000 that God brought me through. And, one of the, and, it, was, and it was an attack on me and my family and on our church and everything. And, and I knew, I asked God to show me. And, 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 and we, I knew I was, my mind, my conscience was clear. But here's the deal. My prayer was, God, as you toughen my skin, soften my heart. Make me as tough as you need me. Wherever you're taking me, God, I want to go there. Make me tough, but do not let my heart get hard. Make me softer, matter of fact. You know, when you think about that, that's the reason why when you see people day in, day out, when you understand it that way, you have a different compassion for them because they are going through battles too, friend. That you know nothing about, but you've stood in judgment of them. You know nothing how they got there for many of them. One of the places many of you are stuck that you recycle is unforgiveness. I read this once and it really stuck with me. I don't know who said it. Where you land on forgiveness is actually the best barometer of your walk with Christ. Who are you holding hostage because you think because of unforgiveness you're causing them penalty or pain or payment? It's kind of like having a huge credit card bill making the minimum payment each month and you'll never pay it off. You've heard me say this before. Unforgiveness is like setting yourself on fire and hoping the other person dies from smoke inhalation. It's time for you to be free of that. It's time for you to set the other person free that you've been holding hostage. And it is time for you to be set free. You are not walking. If all things that we should figure out in our relationship with Christ is forgiveness. Of all things that we cannot miss. None of us deserve what he gave us. Thank goodness we didn't get what we deserved. Thank goodness. How in the world can we hold forgiveness from someone? I think if you could see from Christ's perspective how much damage your unforgiveness is doing, you would make a change just like that. Number 10. Am I moving forward in God's purpose for my life? Am I moving forward in God's purpose for my life? As I said last week, one of the times that I get most down and depressed is that somehow or another I begin to question God's purpose for my life. That it's either been derailed, I've derailed it, circumstances have derailed it, Something's derailed it. But I believe this. It's many times that you've begun to realize you have a God-given purpose. And you're a part of this divine drama, divine story that's going on and we need you in it. That you begin to make changes. You begin to respond differently. You begin to step into things you would have never stepped into before. You quit making excuses. Because when you understand God's got a purpose for you, it should alter everything. But one of the challenges we have is, as I've said, I think both Sundays, is that most of us don't realize there's a battle for our soul going on. There's a battle for your children. There's a battle for our culture. There's a battle for uh, every... uh, There is a spiritual warfare that's going on, and it doesn't matter if you believe in it or not. It's still going on. And for some of you, you think, well, okay, God gave me a destiny. It should be easy just to get to... No, here's the deal. I think the enemy knows your destiny. He knows it better than you, and he's going to do everything he can to keep you from living into it. You don't, when you begin to step into God's destiny and God's purpose for your life, the battle will rage. You can't just ignore it. The question is, are you getting up every day daily, preparing for battle? Stepping in. I love what McManus says, there is for some of you, and especially younger people, there is a point. That you've got to pick up your sword. You've got to pick up your shield and leave the village and step out into the war zone. That, that village has been protecting you. It is time for you to step in. It's time. But isn't it easier just to ignore it? <laughs> no, it's not. I love what Ephesians 6, 10 through 12 says in the message So this is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Here's the good news about winning battles, as McManus would say. The reward for winning a great battle is a greater battle. Because you no longer fear that anymore. Some of you need to get in the fight for the destiny God has for you. There are people waiting on you to live into the purpose God has called you into. The question is Am I seeing what God's seeing and saying no? Because the last part of this, friend, and it always ends here, is surrender it always comes to this whatever sermon that it comes to this whatever person I'm to, it comes to surrender not my will but your will the problem is we're not willing to surrender I can go through all those other ten, the other nine and, and get down to ten and, and am, I, am I chasing after God's destiny, God's purpose for my life? Am I understanding there are certain things I can put in place? But at the end of the day, friend, am I willing to surrender? Ask Josiah and them to come on down as we close this morning. As they do, I want to ask you a question. take everybody else out of the room for a minute and there'll be time as I've already mentioned to do forgiveness and put your list together in a in a plan to go do the things we've talked about today maybe for some of you but I just want to ask you for a minute to think about what this between you and God Because what God wants to do in your life really has nothing to do with anybody else in this moment. I shared with somebody a few weeks ago. Nobody else can take me off the path of what God wants for me. Even they could curse me and slander me and a lot of different things happen along the way. I respond because of what God's done in my life. And who he is in me, not because of what other people do. And there is power in decisiveness. When you decide, I am going to go all in in this, when you decide, I am going to follow Christ, when you decide, you begin to get rid of the excuses. You begin to surround yourself with people who won't allow you to make excuses. Everybody has an opportunity to quit. I want to give you a chance, won't you stand with me, if you can today, to close around the altars. And again, I want to encourage you if this seems too oversimplistic today, please go listen to the other two messages because we are sure not taking it that way but as your pastor and as your coach there's a part we play in this you know David in Psalm 51 when he had it was broken before God he said God created in me a new heart a pure heart And what he's asking there is, is I don't just need forgiveness. I need a new heart. I need to surrender. Because he knew just forgiveness alone was a slippery slope. Unless God did a work in his life. That's what we're asking here. To come. Surrender. And God, whatever your will is, as Jesus said, it be done. I don't surrender my responsibilities. I surrender the outcome to you. Lord, help us now to lean into the understanding that only you have the answer to all this, Lord. First to you, then to those you may have put in place in our lives to help us overcome then Lord, please don't let us miss our responsibility in this. We have a choice. Let us choose your way. If you feel led this morning, if you had come, it's just sign in.